Well, in college, I worked a few different jobs, and um, yeah, I guess I started in college, I found a job working at the Maytag repair shop, um, fixing appliances, which I probably had zero reason to be touching any of those appliances, trying to fix them for other people. Um, but somehow I worked that job for a while, and then I worked at a Walmart grocery store, then I worked in the meat department, and then I worked um, in their warehouse, uh, filling orders, driving forklift, and all this fun stuff. Um, but it always seemed to bother me as I was doing that, and I think I was missing the point, which is what we're going to get into today. But I, I would get irritated because I, I'd you know, leave work for the day, I'd go home, I'd show up the next day, and it's broken appliances, shelves that need stocked, and boxes that needed moved. It was like it was the same thing every day. I come back and it's like, are we getting anywhere? Because it seems to just be the same problem over and over and over. And I think it, was kind of, it, would, it would bother me. Um, but maybe part of it was I felt like God was putting this desire in my heart to, to spread the gospel and devote my life to it for vocational ministry, to like actually do that as a career. And I'm not advocating that everybody needs to quit their jobs. Um, please don't. If somebody puts in there two weeks tomorrow, please don't. Um, uh, I think I was missing the point, though. I, I, think, I think the whole idea of what we're supposed to do is at our jobs— uh, if we're actually living missionally, if we have this idea of what the gospel message is all about, we're supposed to be spreading it, um, I think you do that where you're at. I think right where God has you, that's where you're supposed to do it. You don't have to go overseas. Uh, you sure can. But you don't have to, to, to go and, and sell it all to move somewhere. But like, really, I think the idea is that God needs you to begin doing this ministry of sharing the gospel exactly where you are. Start sharing to the lost people that are around you because we, we don't have to go to faraway places. You have lost people that are around you every day. And that's kind of what we're looking at today, I guess, is that I, that was something I missed. I was so focused on and having to do that on, on the mission field somewhere that I was missing the people that were directly around me at all these jobs I was working. And so today we're going to look in our, as we continue our series in Romans, and we're getting close to wrapping it up, uh, but we're going to be looking at some practical suggestions for being a Great Commission Christian. And I love this because I'm a super practical person. I kind of like, I want to, want to know, like, why am I learning all these things? What's, what do I do with this next? And that's really what Paul's getting at here. Um, Romans can seem like a, a pretty heavy book. There's a lot to it. But it tells us about who we are when we are in Christ. Um, and it's packed with a lot of theology. But really, as we look at it today, this whole section is, is really about why does this matter? What is Paul's heart behind all of it? And why is he living on mission? And I think it, it's, it's some of what we need to learn too. Because we can work our way all the way through this Roman series and somehow we can think that we're going to file these facts away. We're going to be like, yeah, I've, you're gonna, I'm going to hang up my certificate of completion, Book of Romans, hang that on the wall. Um, and somehow like I've made it through. But that, what good does that do if I'm not actually putting it into practice in my life? So we're going to go back and we're actually going to read Matthew 28, because if we're talking about what a Great Commission Christian is, we probably ought to, to read that. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20 says, Jesus came and he said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. So Paul finds himself living on mission for Jesus, telling the good news of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, 
And we've been told through the book of Romans that it doesn't matter who you are, that this message is for everyone, whether it's for the Jew or the Gentile, whether you think you live a good life or you live a bad life, this gospel message is for you. And I understand that we can travel around the world. But I think the important thing is, is that we, we share to who's around us. So the fact is, all of us are not going to go uh, head off to for, foreign places, faraway lands. Some might. But even though all might not go, we should all share. That is on us for us to share the gospel news uh, to those that are around us. And you are the perfect person for the people that are around you. You may not think so, but you are. You are the perfect people to share the gospel with the people that are around you. So today we're not going to be looking so much at the theology of what Paul was sharing so much as we've been going through this, but really we're going to be looking at very practical suggestions that if you're a great commission Christian, you love and want to share what this gospel message is, we're going to give you some very practical things that you can do um, as you live that out. So before we do that, uh, we're going to pray. God, I am grateful that we get to, to be here today, to hold your word in our hands, and I ask that you would burden our hearts for sharing this gospel message that Uh, can transform lives, and hopefully has done that for many of us here, but help us to share that with others that are around us, that they could know the transformation that's possible when we are in you. God, we love you, and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you've got your Bibles with you, or if you're using the Bible app, or if you want to follow on the screen, we'll have them up there. Um, I did not give the guys any sort of handout this morning, so they're shooting in the dark up here trying to follow along with my randomness, so I'm sorry. Um, But we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 15, uh, starting in verse 14, and we're going to finish off the chapter. Um, But we're going to be following through there to to grab some of those practical suggestions for us as Great Commission Christians. So Romans 15, starting verse 14, says, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are, are full of goodness. You're filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. But on some points I have written to you very boldly by the way of reminder because of the grace that's given to me by God. This very first section, the practical thing we walk away with is that we are supposed to be a part of a healthy gospel-centered church. That's what Paul is telling us here is that that there is a place when we come together that we give encouragement to each other, that we try to lift each other up and build each other up. And I love that Paul here is writing to the church at Rome. He's giving them encouragement as he's watched their faithfulness And it's a good thing that we have a relationship with each other, that we can understand what what encouragement is needed in each other's lives. We need to have transparent and authentic relationships with each other so that we are actually aware of what encouragement is even needed for someone. But that doesn't mean that Paul just buttered this up. Like, this isn't just the good stuff. He also says that he had to speak to them boldly about some hard truths that they were needing. And so I think when we have that relationship together, we can speak the hard truths, but also give the encouragement that's needed when we are together and as we mature together. There are three things that Paul identifies here as being a part of a healthy gospel-centered church. He talks about being full of, full of goodness, that, that this church should, should be doing good things, that the community around uh, should see the goodness, that it should be apparent to everyone around, uh, the church and you, um, that you are full of the goodness. And then it says that they're filled with knowledge, and this isn't just saying that you're smart. This isn't just saying that you know lots of trivia, um, but this is really to say you are full of the knowledge of the gospel. 
that you understand that you hopefully you understand and have been changed by this truth, and then you're going to share that gospel message with others that are around you. And I think this last part, it says that you're able to instruct one another. I think sometimes we can get so caught up on the second one that we're filled with the knowledge that we think we're going to try to accumulate all this knowledge, and then finally, once I get all the knowledge, then I'm going to go share. And we can get to that point where we just don't share with anybody because we don't think we have reached a certain level of knowledge, or we just don't know enough, we're not good enough uh, to be sharing this. But if we are good enough, and if we have enough knowledge, what did Jesus come for? The whole idea of the gospel is that we understand that, that we're not good enough, that we, we are unable to save ourselves, and that's why God sent Jesus for us, to be the one and only perfect sacrifice for us. And so when we understand that, we should want to share that with others as well, that they would also be able to understand and be set free by this gospel message. We're going to continue reading in, in verse 16. Paul says, then, to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles in the priestly service of the gospel of God, so that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit in Christ Jesus, then I have reason to be proud for my work of God. For I will not venture to speak of anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to bring the Gentiles to obedience by word and deed. This whole section really looks at this the idea that we see life and mission through the lens of worship. Because Paul really is, as he's looking at this, he's saying that this is, some, uh, this is a, the priestly service. He's giving it to this comparison of the priest that would be in the temple offering sacrifices for others. But I think where that changes is now we don't offer those animal sacrifices that were once made because we have Jesus, the perfect sacrifice. Now we offer ourselves. We offer back our own lives daily as a living sacrifice. We talked about that back in Romans 12, that, that we offer ourselves as a living sacrifice, and that is our spiritual worship. So when we're in this work of reaching out to others, um, we, we, we want them to know and understand that their life can also be transformed by this good news, and then they, in turn, would turn their lives over to Jesus and would begin sacrificing themselves, um, giving up their selfish desires to live for God. And it turns into this multiplication effect. As Paul works at this mission of extend, extending his own life and letting people know what God has done in his life, uh, the idea would be that he changes that then to then we continue this process, I guess, to multiply. And this isn't just, just a small bit of change, but this is a whole life change. I love that he talks about here at the end is that uh, it's not just about doing the right thing or saying the right words, but this is a whole life, a whole life of obedience in word and action. And I think this is the thing that I was missing while I was working these jobs that I would get frustrated by, is that I didn't understand that, that my life and actions, my words and actions in these jobs and everything I was doing could just as much be worshiped to God. And I, I, I missed the opportunity. Because I think we can join in this worship with what we do and what we, with what we say anywhere we go, I mean, with everything that we do. When our neighbors are going through a hard time, when we take them a plate of goodies just to let them know that we are there for them, like that, that can be worship. When we honor the people that we work with, we show them dignity and respect, and we treat them in a godly way, it can be worship. When we volunteer to teach Sunday school um, and teach our kids godly messages, which I love, we have a huge 
volunteer group that teaches our kids, like that's worship. It's not just the singing that we do here. When you share your last package of ramen noodles with that friend after week one already, um, that, that could be worship, right? That, that you are giving and you are being a godly example to those that are around you. And I think that's the idea is that we need to get this through our heads is that, and me included, that everything I say and do, if I do it with the intentions of sharing God's goodness with others, that can be worship. So we've already read through these verses, but I want to take one other point that I think we see here from Paul is that we remember that the fruitfulness that we see is only from God. Through some of those verses that we read, though, it said that verse 15 said, because of the grace given to me by God. Verse 16 says that we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Verse 17 says that in Christ Jesus, my work is for God. Verse 18 says that I'm not speaking except for what Christ has accomplished. Verse 19 says, by the power and signs and wonders and the power of the the Spirit of God. Paul is concerned here, and he wants to make it crystal clear that this is not his own doing. This is not something that he is trying to, to amass for himself and get all the recognition for. He wants us to know that God can and do all these things in and through us if we allow God to do it. I think far too often we probably want to take credit for ourselves um, and then broadcast it to everyone about how great we are. Uh, this summer I was watching uh, some baseball here in town, and uh, it was just at a practice, but um, watched a kid dink the baseball and like bounce the thing and like just barely get going, and they're bolting the first base. They overthrow the base. He goes on to second. They overthrow second. He's rounding third. And like, it's, it's, it's just like, you can see him getting pumped and made it all the way home on overthrows. And at the end, like the huge celebration of, yeah, home run. And it's like, really? Like, um, but I think we can be the same. Like my feeble attempts at doing ministry and, and what I think I can do, like it, it may not seem like a whole lot, but when I let God into it, and I see what He can do. Like, He can do far more with what I do um, when I give it over to Him, and then I give Him the praise that's due back to Him. So we're going to continue looking, I guess, that there's kind of this shift through this next section, though, that really is uh, more outward-focused, that, that we need to be, continue to be looking outward uh, to those that need to be reached with, this, uh, with the gospel message. And so I love that Paul starts here in verse 20. He says that I make it my ambition to preach the gospel, not where Christ has already been named, lest I build on someone else's foundation. But as it's written, those who have never uh, been told of him will see, and those who have never heard will understand. I think that this gives us two things that we need to be looking forward to is that we need to have a passion for the gospel, but we also need to have a heart for people. Paul's passion for the gospel message, I think, um, and his making it known to people really became an obsession. He just, he just can't stop it. And as soon as he would tell people about the gospel message in one place, it wasn't long before he's like, I got to head out. I got to go other places, got to tell more people because there's more people that need to hear. So he had this great passion for the gospel, but he also had a heart for the people. That he still knew that there were lost people all around him. There were lost people in other places that he needed to go to. And so he had this burning passion to let others know. I think when we grow in our passion for what the gospel message is and what it's done to us, how it's transformed our own lives, we should be burdened with the thought that there are still other people that need to know, that there are still other people that, with lives to be transformed, if only they would know the gospel message. 
This next section, we're going to kind of skip over a little bit of it, but I, th- I think we're, I'm going to start reading down in verse 22. Um, but I love that, that I think he, Paul continues looking outward. He says, for this reason, um, for this reason why I have so often been hindered from coming to you, but now since I no longer have any room to work in these regions, and since I have longed for many years to come to you, I hope to see you in passing as I go to Spain and and to be helped on my journey there by you once I have enjoyed your company for a while. This whole section really is about supporting the work of church planting, of advancing the gospel to new areas where the gospel has not yet been. So I think this, when we come to this idea that, that we're to be reaching these places, I think our job needs to be that either we are the ones doing it or we also need to be the ones supporting this work that's going on. That we need to be supporting the people that, that are going to the far-reaching places, that Jesus' name still needs to be made known. We need to rally around those people, pray for them, encourage them, support them, to give them whatever they would need to be able to go do that work of sharing the gospel with the people that are around them. And I think it even makes us kind of pause and evaluate our own lives to, to think, where is my own passion for the gospel message? And is my ambition really to present the gospel to the people that don't know it yet? Because I think too often we can probably let ourselves be hardened by it, that we, we can be, be around people that don't know and we can harden our own hearts. But I think even we're supposed to, to soften our hearts for the lost. And I think we need to sometimes breathe new life into that passion again to begin to search after those opportunities to share the gospel with those that are around us. So God can and He will use our willing hearts, um, no matter how talented or how confident or lacking there. Um, God will use us if we will just willingly give ourselves um, to His mission and to the, to the gospel. So Paul continues down in Romans chapter 15 and uh, verse 25. He says, at the present though, however, I'm going to Jerusalem to bring aid for the saints at Macedonia and Achai have been pleased to make some contribution for the poor that are among the saints at Jerusalem. For they were pleased to do it, and indeed they owe it to themselves, or they owe it to them. The Gentiles have come to share in this spiritual blessing. They ought also to be of service of them in the material blessings. Paul was on this way to, to bring this monetary gift which I think shows us that we need to also be supporting the work of mercy ministries, that, that we need to, to give to the people that are in need. It's, it's a huge encouragement. Um, I love that, that this offering is being blessed to this church at Jerusalem and has been collected by multiple other churches in multiple other cities, but they're all bringing it under one cause, to help support those that are in need. And I think that's, you know, even one thing that I think is comparable for us is that, that we always have this bucket in the back. It says one for one. And we, the idea is that we give a dollar for one other person. So that we're just giving something that may seem small and it may not amount to much, but yet uh, when we gather that together and we, we put that together, we can be a huge blessing. We actually just used that this week for somebody that was in need of traveling um, quite a distance away for some medical help and they were unable to do it themselves. They couldn't fix up their car to make it for a medical need. And so we were able to gift a generous amount of money to, because of every, the gift that you give um, to be able to help support that. And that's the idea is that when we gather together, uh, we can do far greater things when we are side by side together, giving what little we have, and uh, it can do some great things um, when we do that together. 
This next section, as we look at uh, verse 28, then says, when therefore I've completed this and I've delivered to them what I've collected, uh, I will leave for, for Spain by the way of you. And I know that when I come to you, I will come in the fullness of the blessing of Christ. And then verse 32 then says, so that by God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company. I, I love that this idea is, is that we're refreshing those that are on the front lines of the gospel advancement. There's this idea that, that when we get together and we're sharing in, in the mission of spreading the gospel, it's hard work. It can be sacrifice. It, it, can, it can be difficult work. But the idea here is that we give relational support, that when we come together side by side, we're together um, in this to let other people know that you're not alone, that we are teammates in the work, that we lift up those that are tired and weary and not just leave them on their own to do this. I think this is why we stress so much that you need to be in relationship with other believers, uh, and we believe that we do ministry best when we're in community with others. That's why we're always stressing that you get signed up for Rooted or get in a life group or a discipleship group or a Bible study of some sort. Like, you need people around you that are going to lift you up um, and refresh you in your times of need for the times that you may feel like you're out of strength or you just don't have it on your own. Um, that's why we're best in community and that we need each other as we do that. Last section here, as we look at verses 30 to 33, says, I appeal to you, brothers, by our Lord Jesus Christ and by the love of the Spirit, to strive together with me in your prayers to God on my behalf that I may be delivered from the unbelievers in Judea, and that my service for Jerusalem it may be acceptable to the saints, so that by God, God's will, I may come to you with joy and be refreshed in your company, and may the God of peace be with you all. Amen. I think this last section is all about praying for those that are on the front lines of sharing the gospel. And I think this is such an important task that sometimes we can feel like prayer is one of those things that it feels like when we have nothing left to do, there's nothing left I know within my power to do, then it's like, well, I guess I'll pray. Um, we can feel like it's, it's the last ditch resort. Um, and so we, we look to prayer. But let me challenge you to maybe think of prayer in, high, in higher regards. Because I think prayer is, is powerful and effective. Prayer is to make sure that, that we know that God is included in what we do. That we want God to be all in everything that we're doing. Because without God, this shouldn't be possible. And I think this idea for this whole section is for us to be great commissioned Christians, spreading the gospel. That's probably something we better make sure that God's in the middle of. So I think we need to take time in our days to make sure that we pray for the great commission great commission Christians that are out there doing the work of tirelessly spreading the gospel, but I think we also need to be praying for those that are on the receiving side of that, that are going to be hearing that message, the lost that still need to hear the good news, because I think it can be life-changing for all those that hear. So as the band comes back up, I think we need to, to probably set our, our mind on this mission of go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded. I think we're given this promise after, after this is that God's with us always. That He's not going to leave us. He's not going to forsake us. So can I encourage you that this is an important task and it's worth giving your all to. It's worth stepping out and telling those around you that, that we have hope in Christ. And I think we have, we, have to, we have to go with some boldness sharing this. So whether it's your first time hearing this good news, um, 
don't leave today without finishing that conversation about what this good news is. Or maybe you're, you're unsure of where you would even start. Like, how do I even start this conversation with others that are around us? Honestly, start by sharing what God's done in your life, about the transformation that you've seen in your life. Your testimony can be powerful to somebody that needs to hear. And I think maybe for some of you, you've been in the trenches doing this, this gospel advancing work, sharing the gospel, and, and it's tiresome, and you can grow weary. But please know that we're by your side, that we are in this with you. You are not alone. So I think when we remember this mission, the mission and the importance of what we're doing, this great commission that we're supposed to be out doing, we need to grab hold of these things that, that Paul's encouraging us to, to do here to continue on because the mission is so that others will know. When this really has changed our lives and we've been transformed because of what God has done, we should want others to know so they can experience that same transformation as well. Let's pray. God, I thank you for the ways that you have transformed our lives, but God, help us to not stop at our own transformation, but to see how we can reach out to others how we can be the ones out sharing the gospel message to those that are lost around us. God, I ask that you would give us boldness this week as we try to do that. God, I ask that you would just uh, burden our hearts for those that are lost around us and that we would uh, have a desire to share that message with them. God, I ask that you would help your word, your gospel message to be made known so that they can have that same life transformation relationship with you. God, we love you and pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Will you stand with us as we sing? Yeah. 
finish up our study in Romans chapters 14 and 15 that we covered last week and this week are really highlighting on aspects of being in unity with one another. No matter where we came from, no matter our background, we're all saved by the grace of Jesus. One thing I really love about Journey that was different from the church I grew up in is that we get to take communion weekly. And this is a reminder, a reminder of being in submission to the Lord being the like of his image and the salvation that he provides us for today, for yesterday, and for tomorrow. So as we take the emblems, remember that the blood is represented by the juice, and the bread represents his body. And when these two emblems are together in unity, they create the complete image of Jesus Christ. So take a few minutes in silent reflection and I'll finish us in prayer. Lord, thank you for today. Thank you for giving us the salvation that we do not deserve. We ask that you continue to give us encouragement and endurance that we may be able to be in likeness of your image, be in submission to you, 
so that we can be brought together to worship you and praise you as one family. May the power of the Holy Spirit overflow in us this week with hope and strength so that we may share your grace with those who have not heard so they can see and understand your true love that you provided to the world, to all people that was through the cross. have the opportunity this morning to meet a young lady who's taken this gospel call to mission personally, seriously, and is going to be stepping out and living on mission. So Hannah, come on forward. This is Hannah Heck Henriksen, and she is, <laughs> got an audience already. Yeah. Uh, she, she is going to be uh, working with Rain Ministries, and I just wanted to give her the opportunity to present her work to you and, uh, as she follows God's leading. Thank you so much. Um, so yeah, like you said, my name is Hannah Henriksen, um, and I'm in the process of raising support to go into full-time ministry with a youth mission organization called Rain Ministries. And um, Adam's <laughs> message just worked so well with my talk that 